The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Make that 24 more swinging strikes for Spencer Strider, who is pretty awesome. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, June 16th. Frank Stample joined by Chris Towers today on the show. A couple more massive offensive outputs, pitchers that return, Pitchers that confuse me, there's a lot that confuses me, but these pitchers, I've got a trio that I want to talk about. Rankings, risers, and fallers, and much more. But let's jump right in. Oh my good goodness gracious! Oh my goodness gracious. Chris, who will be the Olive Garden breadstick for you tonight? Well, yeah, I think this is the Olive Garden breadstick, the, the, the that extra Olive Garden breadstick, obviously. And, and it's Spencer Strider, like you mentioned in the... Top of the show, 24 swinging strikes, 11 strikeouts, and five and two-thirds innings against the Nationals was pretty dominant. And only two walks, which is a big deal because that's been, you know, if you had to find, you know, one potential flaw for him so far this season, it's the walk rate. But that's three straight walks, three straight starts now with two or fewer walks. Um, and that's that's potentially really big if he could sustain that because this fastball slider combination is really a two pitch pitcher, but he's just dominating with them. T- 10 swinging misses, swinging strikes with the slider today, 12 with the fastball I actually got two with the changeup on only four of them, which maybe he could throw that pitch even more, but yeah, he's um, when he's on, he's pretty devastating. There are, you know, as I said, there there have been times when the control hasn't been as good, and, and I think that can be a concern moving forward for him. But he looks pretty good. He's you know we're going to talk about some rankings, risers, and fallers a little later on, and and I think he's probably going to need to be a riser for everyone. Rightfully so. Before I analyze his performance today and on the season thus far, can we just take a look at Spencer Strider, the person, Chris, because he kind of looks like a cartoon character not that i mean whatever i i'm no adonis like who am i to call out anyone how they look right but spencer strider you just look at the guy in his face looks like a boy has this awesome mustache and then he has these quads that are like massive something you would see on like a running back that you know people would drool over like running back thighs and quads like this time of year that's spencer strider so I don't know how I figured this out, but I was making the thumbnail for YouTube and I was like, wow, Spencer Strider is like an interesting looking dude. 
I don't know if you ever thought about it, Chris. Yeah, running back uh, quad watch is one of my favorite recurring bits in the fantasy football world. And yeah, Spencer Spencer Strider's got he's got some good ones. He's got some uh, some ham hocks. <laughs> I think that's what, what what you could refer to them as, right? I feel like I've heard that word before, but if you said it outside of that context, I wouldn't be able to tell you what body part it was. So, uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Anyway, Spencer Strider, the pitcher, he's been great so far. His uh, four starts uh, since moving into the rotation, 2.81 ERA, 31 strikeouts over 19 and two-thirds innings pitched. He had a 15.7% swinging strike rate entering Wednesday's action. That's obviously just going to go up. I will point out this was a Juan Soto-less uh, Washington Nationals lineup, so it was truly a fantastic matchup. Uh, yeah. So. I guess you take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, but it was still um, you know, awesome. Regardless. He's made four starts in the rotation at Arizona. Great matchup. Great park to pitch in at Colorado. Tough matchup. Tough park to pitch in. He wasn't great, although only give up one earned run in four innings versus the Pirates versus the Nationals. So, you know, it, it's been a pretty soft schedule for him since going to the rotation and Maybe that's coloring, and maybe that's something to keep in mind to temper expectations, but I don't I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to temper expectations. He's so much fun. Mm-hmm. And I've mentioned this before. I always reference Tyler Glass now, right? It's mm-hmm. You don't want to rely on just two pitches. And I, Actually, I think Glass now, when he broke out, he even started throwing a third pitch. But when your two pitches are this good, you can kind of get away with it. When you throw 98 miles per hour and you have a wipeout slider, you, you can kind of make do. It's, you know, Chris Paddock was a little bit different a couple of years ago. He had that awesome changeup, but he wasn't overpowering the way that some of these other pitchers are. So uh, someone like Schreider, I think he can get away with it. He's 73% yeah. rostered. That number just needs to be higher. Like we're talking universally rostered. Universally that needs to happen rostered, yeah. for Strider. And he will be tested more next week. He's in line for two starts as of now. Looks like the Giants and the Dodgers, so... A little bit tougher matchups there. We'll see what Spencer Schrider can do. Uh, I, do I, I do have I'm some concerns. I do have some concerns, Chris, just later on in the season. Is he on an innings limit at some point? You know, Do they kind of bring him back into the bullpen? But I think we worry about that when we get there, and he just well, needs to be rostered right now. That's where the fact that he was in the bullpen early on you know, does help him a little bit because we've got what a little a little over three and a half months left in the season so you figure that's probably i don't know 18 starts let's say yeah that's probably around right 18 19 starts depending on how the rotation you know maybe they could make it more like 17 if they skip him a few times and Mm -hmm. let's say he averages five and a third inning five and two thirds innings per start i'm not going to give him six but you know that that's like 90-ish innings, I want to say, for the rest of the season, which would get him to about 130. He threw 94 last year. So it's entirely conceivable that Spencer Strider could be more or less a full-time starter the rest of the season and not have to worry about innings. All right. Yeah, makes sense to me. I mean, I know that, um, what's his name? Starting pitcher, Achilles, Mike Soroka. He's trying to work Mm -hmm. his way back and I don't know that we'll get anything from him, but if they want to play a cautious, they could go six men yeah. later on in the season as well. Oh my goodness gracious for me. I saw the chat on YouTube talking beforehand. Like It kind of wasn't the easiest night for oh my goodness outside of uh, Spencer Strider. 
And I'm choosing to go with John Birdie, who I believe needs to be added in Category League, specifically if you need steals. So he went two for four on Wednesday with two more stolen bases. He's now up to 14, which is tied for fourth most in baseball. And he only became a full-time player like three weeks ago. So every time this guy is on base, he has the green light. Uh, He's been relatively successful throughout his career stealing bases before. Uh, And I kind of just think the Marlins are going to let him go. He's uh, he's got three different eligibilities, second, third, and outfield. He's playing every day right now, 19% rostered. I don't think he's a must-add, Chris, but I think that there are more than 19% category leagues on CBS, and he probably should be rostered in all of those. He should probably be rostered in every categories league. It's right. really hard to find stolen bases right now. And he, you know, he's kind of doing like a poor man's Tommy Edmond right now. And the underlying numbers suggest that he's been a decent hitter so far this season. You know, he's at 351 Woba, 352 expected Woba. Strikes out a little too much for a guy who doesn't uh, hit for any power, really. But. You know, he walks, he gets on base, and he does a lot when he gets on base. So, I uh, yeah, I think any Roto or categories-based league, especially if you need stolen bases, he's definitely a must-roster player. I will say, you know, if Spencer Strider is the breadstick of the never-ending soup salad and breadsticks that is, uh, oh my goodness gracious, John Birdie's probably the salad. Yeah. You know, like, you'll be, you'll, you're happy to have it there. Mm-hmm. But that's not the attraction, you know. You're yeah. You're mostly there, for, at least for me. I'm mostly there for the breadsticks. Oh, I mean, come on. The Chris. soup, you know. I like an Italian wedding soup. Yeah. Uh, but the, um, the breadstick is the clear star. Well, let's be honest here, right? No one else listening or watching, like, we're there for the breadsticks. There's no doubt about yeah. it. And look, you know, John Birdie. There might be you know one or two people at the table who like salad or who want the salad. That's John Birdie. So you need steals. You need salad. Go add John Birdie. I will point out that Tyler Anderson could be the oh my goodness gracious player for tonight. But uh, we'll keep you updated. He's currently throwing a... Did he just give up a hit now? No, he did not. So he's currently throwing a no-hitter seven and two-thirds innings into that start right now. He has 111 pitches. So, uh, I mean, I think they're going to let him not. Yeah. I mean, that would be like the most Dave Roberts thing ever to take Tyler Anderson out. But uh, oddly enough, between innings, they show him he keeps like rubbing his forearm and his triceps. And that seems really bad for someone who is trying to throw a no hitter. And maybe it's uh, maybe it's a good luck. Maybe that's just his good luck forearm. Like, you know, some people (laughs) rub a lucky rabbit's foot. Maybe it's maybe, you know, I don't know. We'll keep you updated on what happens with Tyler Anderson. Oh, my goodness gracious. Offense for the day goes to the Padres. They put up 19 runs on 21 hits. They have been uh, scoring a good amount of runs in the series against the Cubs. And guess what? Now they're going out to Coors Field for the weekend. So <laughs> I hope you started your Padres this week because they are on fire. Manny Machado. Yeah, I did not start Jake Cronenworth. Ooh. Feeling pretty dumb about that one. He's up to, what, 18 RBI in 15 games so far in June? Yeah, he is on fire right now. Yeah. Um, I actually thought about adding... Nomar Mazzara in my deeper leagues solely because of this week's schedule. Cubs pitching and Coors Field, it's just a match made in heaven. Uh, Machado went three for four, hit his 11th home run. 
I thought he had more home runs than that, but I, I think he has slowed down quite a bit. Manny Machado, he's still awesome, but uh, yeah. yeah, he slowed down a little bit, which makes sense. Luke Voigt went three for five, hit his eighth home run. Might have been listening yesterday to, uh, to Scotty, who said he would take Nathaniel Lowe over him. Luke Voigt, if you need a first baseman or corner infielder, he's getting hot again. Uh, Jake Cronenworth, three more hits. Jerkson Profar, three more hits. He's been uh, very good over the past month or so. The one I wanted to highlight here, Chris, Jorge Alfaro. Three for six yep. with his fifth home run and over his last 10 games. You know, I always write this in where I'm supposed to update it afterwards, and I just never do it, and it's very frustrating. But he was all right. he was 11 for 33 entering Wednesday over his last uh, nine games. He and I can do I can do the math on that one. That's a three thirty three batting average. That is a three. You're right. Uh, so now he has three home runs over his last ten games. He's hitting the ball extremely hard, which is something he has always done. Always has. Still striking out a lot, but the ground ball rate is down to a career low forty one percent, and that was always a big issue for Jorge mm-hmm. Alfaro. He's playing more recently. He started five of their last eight games. I realize most people listening. You probably don't need a catcher. But if you play in a two-catcher league, mm-hmm. I think he's kind of interesting. And he's only 8% rostered. Yeah, I mean, the strikeout rate is really high, but the quality of contact has always been quite good for him. And, I mean, you look at the expected Wobon contact. For his career, it's 440. And that's for a guy who has, like you said, hit way too many ground balls. His average long chain goal is 5.4 degrees. It's up to 10.8 so far this season, he's got a 468 expected Woban contact. So the bar is low enough at catcher that you can be a viable fantasy option, even if you strike out 35% of the time. Mike Zanino's done it before. So Alfaro has always run high batting averages on balls in play. He's got some real pop. He's very fast, actually, 90th percentile sprint speed. Wow. Um, that is so interesting yeah, he, for no, a catcher. Uh, Jorge Alfaro might be like the toolsiest catcher in baseball Mm -hmm. and has like, he's got a cannon arm. He's super athletic. He just, he's never been able to put it together Mm -hmm. and maybe he is. And in a 12 team two catcher league, I think that's enough to make him at least worth looking at. Yeah. I think he's kind of in that, you know, Cal Raleigh, Christian Betancourt yeah. conversation where those are the, the fringe top 25, top 30 catchers. So if you mm-hmm. need a second catcher, uh, Alfaro is doing some interesting things right now. Honorable mention to the White Sox who destroyed the Tigers so <laughs> bad that the Tigers had to have a team meeting after this game. That's how bad they got the, beat up. My favorite detail of that is, uh, <laughs> is AJ Hinch manager, Tigers manager. Yep said he didn't like that he had to use three position players to pitch today, which is like the, I think you should leave guy in the hot dog suit saying, we're all trying to find the guy who did this of managerial comments. Cause uh, my guy, you're the one who put those position players in. Yeah. You got 13 pitchers on your roster. You could have used them. I, I mean, I get why teams do it when they're getting blown out, right? Like, you want to save your bullpen arms for sure. more competitive games? I, I have absolutely no issue with it. I actually thought it was pretty cool that Roger Clemens' son, who is a position player, wound up pitching an inning in that game. So, uh, obviously, it's interesting for its own reasons. Uh, but anyway, the White Sox, they put up 13 runs on 22 hits in this game. Jose Abreu went 4-for-5 with two doubles, two RBI. His 
June continues to be scorching. Uh, Andrew Vaughn hit three more, uh, had three more hits in this game. And then a massive game for Yoan Moncada, who yeah. uh, hopefully uses this game to get back on track. I was going to mention later on that my fallers, I dropped Moncada quite a bit in the third base mm-hmm. rankings because, frankly, he has done nothing this year. Really yeah. has not done anything the past couple of years. And then he just goes out there and has this awesome game where he goes five for six, hit a homer, a double. He had five RBI, truly just an awesome game. But, I mean, Chris, is it is it enough to, I don't know, maybe hold on to Moncada if you were thinking about dropping him? Sure, yeah. I think that you were looking for any signs of life, and he showed some. The, the most promising thing here for me with Moncada is three of his hits came on fastballs and he had been really, really struggling against fastballs so far this season. I'm looking up the numbers right now. Um, 215 Woba against fastballs this season, which is actually better than it was against breaking balls and off-speed pitches, but still, you're supposed to hit fastballs. You know, that's the easier thing to hit. 26% whiff rate. I mean... He has looked, you know, pretty overmatched so far this season. So I, I think this is a a good sign. It definitely doesn't mean that he's back to being that 2019 level player that he was, but I think it's enough to stave off the dropometer for now. Since the start of the 2020 season, and you might remember that he either had COVID in that season he, yeah, he or did. right before that season, and he mentioned that it's something that he was battling all of the shortened season. He really hasn't been the same since then. I, I I don't want to speculate that whatever he has lasting effects or whatever it might be, but you just look at that and he really has not yeah. been the same since. So since the start of the 2020 season, Moncada is batting 239 with a 724 OPS. I mean, yeah. that's about as replaceable of player that you can be, especially when you're not contributing power and you're not contributing steals. So, uh, I wouldn't fault anybody for wanting to drop Moncada. I think in deeper leagues, I might still try to hold on, you know, 15 mm-hmm. teamers, stuff like that, you know, see if this is something that can get him back on track. But uh, yeah, it's been a real rough go the past couple of years for uh, Yoan Moncada. Some pitching returns. We, of course, have to talk about Jack Flaherty made his season debut against the Pirates and it was a mixed bag. I know, Chris, you're not really looking at results much when someone is returning after a long layoff like this, but he gave up four runs, two of those earned over three innings pitched. His fastball velocity was down 1.4 miles per hour compared to where he was at last season, and that's within the range that you know you can build up over your next couple of yeah. starts, so I'm not overly concerned about that. His pitch mix was pretty normal, uh, didn't allow that much hard contact. I... I think it was, you know, all in all, it was okay. It was, it was a mixed bag. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a nice soft landing to get to go against the uh, Pirates in your first game back when you don't necessarily have all your stuff there. Although, you know, remember, he was supposed to have at least one more rehab star, and they accelerated his timetable because he, you know, said he felt so much better and the stuff looked good. And so it's, it's a little bit concerning that this was what, you know, they determined to be, you know, his stuff looked so good, but you know, it's still early. Like this is still, you know, his fourth or fifth start, I think. So you're still talking about opening day, maybe relative to where most, most pitchers would be. Um, 
you know, if you count the rehab starts as like a spring, spring training kind of thing. So it's much too small of a sample size to draw much, many conclusions from, but it wasn't, I don't feel great about Jack Flaherty as a result of this. Sure. Uh, would you start him next week? It looks like he's in line for two starts against the Cubs and at the Brewers. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I don't think he's a must start, but I think he's a viable two start option. All right. Sonny Gray was the other pitcher who made a return to the mound on Wednesday. He was solid at the Mariners. Five shutout innings with three hits, zero walks, three strikeouts. Only had five swinging strikes. Also, only threw 65 pitches, but uh, he was pretty efficient and effective in this start. He lowered his four-seam usage in this one. He used a lot more breaking pitches, his slider, and his curveball. And Sonny Gray has been very good when he's pitched this year. 2.09 ERA. Uh, 3.13 xFIP and the walks being down has been massive for him. 2.3 walks per nine and mm-hmm. something I've always said, Chris, about Sonny Gray is he doesn't get enough strikeouts to mitigate the amount of walks that he has, and he's like been consistently over three walks per nine. Um, he gets a good amount of strikeouts, but I just I always felt that way about him. If he can keep the walks down, I feel like. Maybe we can see, uh, I don't know, one of the better versions of Sonny Gray. Yeah, I mean, the thing about him is you look at the expected ERA over the last four seasons, 356-390-325-290. That's quite good. I mean, yeah. it's not ace-level production, and especially given that he's dealt with injuries and he doesn't necessarily pitch deep into games all the time. Um, you know, it's there's a limitation to how useful he can be, but... I, I'm viewing him as, I don't know if it's must start, but, you know, a, a very solid starting pitcher moving forward. Mm-hmm. What does that look like in the rankings, Chris? Like top 60? I think pitcher? he's in the 60 range for me. Let me make sure. But I think that's where I had him. I, I had him 80, but that was, you know, with that's, the injury. So yeah. I can, there's r- plenty of room for him to move up. Yeah, I remember I when- think in the... Yeah, I'll move him to 61. I remember when he returned last time and he had a really good start. I was like, yeah, man, like we got to move Sonny Gray up. He's you know, when he pitches, he's typically pretty good. Yeah. And I got him up around, you know, my 50th starting pitcher range before, but I dropped him back down because of injury. So, uh, yeah, he will be someone who is moving back up the rankings. Let's just hope that Sonny Gray can stay healthy. That's been a big issue for him. Speaking of rankings, let's take a look. Some rankings risers and fallers. We'll start with the risers for Chris. Shane McClanahan. You know his name, Shane O'Mac. Here comes the money. Here we go. go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Ah, Shane O'Mac, by the way, tough loss on Wednesday. He gave up four runs, but only one earned. A brutal error in the outfield where Brett Phillips dropped a fly ball, extended the inning. He wound up giving up a three-run homer to Kyle Higashioka. Still, you know, turned out to be a quality start overall. And Tyler Anderson just lost his no-hitter with one out in the ninth inning. To Shohei Otani, who is about to have a triple. All right, so we'll talk about Tyler Anderson in a little bit, but uh, yeah, a near no-hitter for him. Other risers for Chris. Christian Walker, Nico Horner, Adolis Garcia, Tony Gonsolin, and David Bednar. Chris, I'll give you the opportunity to talk about whoever you want. But first, I feel like we need to talk about Tony Gonsolin, who we didn't get to on yesterday's podcast. And someone just someone tweeted at us that it's we were just our, we our were purpose, East Coast bias. Yes, that we were purposely you know, overlooking Tony Gonsolin. 
we do this podcast very late at night. <laughs> like usually while the West Coast games are, you know, in the seventh, eighth, ninth innings, they're wrap, wrapping up. But it's hard. It's hard to, you know, pay attention to what's happening and obviously pay attention to the rundown. So, no, we did not overlook Tony Gonsolin purposely. Uh, but what would you like to say about him, Chris? Because he is the current ERA leader in Major League Baseball and he's been awesome. Yeah, I mean, he's been awesome pretty much whenever he's been in the rotation for the Dodgers. It hasn't been consistent enough over the years to to really matter, but he's got a 2-4-1 career ERA. Now, only 208 strikeouts in 205 innings, not quite elite. Um, That's still very good over a strikeout per it's, inning. It's good, but it's not, you know, 2-4-1 in ERA in 205 innings. That sounds like the best pitcher in baseball. He's not that, but... He's a good strikeout pitcher who has iffy control at times, but 8.3% walk rate right now, that's perfectly acceptable. And he's done a really good job of limiting quality of contact. 335 expected Wobon contact for his career. That's very good. He's also been someone who's outperformed his peripherals consistently. It's only 205 innings. That's not enough to say that he has a, a consistent skill. When it comes to that, but I don't know. He, he does a lot of the things that you want a starting pitcher to do. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Tony Gonsolin, I, I'm moving him up to – where did I move him up to? Yeah, 46, that's too low. I got to move him up higher than that. I moved him right behind Mackenzie Gore, and that's making me think maybe I just had Mackenzie Gore too low. <laughs> yeah. So I'm moving them up together to 30 – 38 is where Tony Gonsolin's moving up, and that still feels too low. Yeah, no, I think top 40 starting pitcher makes a lot of sense for Tony Gonsolin. As we've referenced many times, the 20 through 50 range of rankings is yeah. kind of this big glob that's hard to figure out and hard to differentiate. But you know, spe- specifically the 35 to 40 range for me, you Darvish, Jose Barrios, Carlos Carrasco, mm-hmm. Eric Lauer, Chris Bassett, uh, I feel like Gonsolin should be in that range, maybe even a little bit above that. But, you know, in that 30 yeah. to 40 range, I think makes a lot of sense for Absolutely. Tony I think that's Gonsolin. the right range. Uh, all right. Anyone else you'd like to highlight from this list, Chris? David Bednar is, I believe I saw he's averaging four innings per save or per outing this season. Or not, sorry. Four outs per save? Four outs per outing. So he uh, actually yeah. recorded the final eight outs on Wednesday with four strikeouts for his 11th yeah, save. That's massive. That's crazy. For uh, a catch or for a closer. He's, he really, I mean, he gives up way too many fly balls, which is risky when you're a closer, especially because he doesn't get a lot of infield fly balls. So, you know, there's going to be some home run regression there. Um, but man, he looks like an elite closer. 11.8 K per nine, 11.9 K per nine, under two walks per nine innings. Yeah, he he looks really, really good. It seems like a long time ago when we were not sure if Chris Stratton or David Bednar was the guy to go with. David Bednar <laughs> clearly looking like a high-end reliever, and I've moved him inside my top 12 at relief pitcher. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of his Adolis Garcia we talked about, Christian Walker we've talked a lot about, and another guy that I'm going to add on the fly. And I want to see, let's talk it through, because we were talking a little bit about it before the show. Ryan Mountcastle. I've been very skeptical 
I don't think I had him out inside my top 60 outfielders coming into the season. I was wrong, I think. His quality of contact metrics are really, really strong across the board. He's looking like a guy that we... It's hard to say we overlooked because we talked about him a ton. <laughs> it's, it's more. He had two more home runs today. He's up to 12 for the season. It's more just looking flat out like we were wrong. Yeah. He's on another 30 homer pace. He's on a 80-ish RBI pace, which is a little disappointing. I don't know if that's really his fault. But, yeah, quality of contact. Expected batting average, 313. Expected slug, 593. There are extenuating circumstances that can make you, I think, reasonably assume that he will underperform his expected stats potentially by quite a lot because everyone's underperforming their expected stats. And, you know, that gigantic outfield that they've got at Camden Yards now is going to make life more difficult for him. And it's going to turn home runs that in most parks or balls that in most parks would be home runs into doubles or even outs. And he doesn't pull the ball a lot this season. So that's going to limit uh, some of that quality of contact as well. That's something that stack has expected stats doesn't take into account is vertical or horizontal launch angle or whatever that would be, you know, spray, I guess. But still, even if he underperforms his expected stats moving forward, 275 with 30 homers doesn't seem like an unrealistic expectation for him. And that's a lot better than I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, we were talking beforehand and that, look, this is this was flat out a miss. Like we were all we were anti I would say as a podcast, we were just like the anti Ryan Mountcastle podcast. A hundred percent. If you think about it, I was trying to think more about the process today and he was a decent prospect and he performed well in the minors and he had a pretty good season last year. And, you know, when you put all of that together, it doesn't really make sense that we were off of him. So, yeah, I think I think it was just a miss and he's playing very well. He hit two more homers on Wednesdays up to 12 home runs. And I mean, looking at outfield, we've talked about how it's kind of a wasteland. I, I think you can make the argument that he should be. Top forty, top thirty-five. I, I moved into my top thirty-six. Yeah. Yeah, like I think you know, right no, around it, like Ozuna and Jorge Soler. To me, that's that's a perfect place to have Ryan Mountcastle, in my opinion. It's worth noting he had like a seven fifteen OPS at the end of May. So this is also six home runs in thirteen June games. He had a six ninety two OPS at the end of May. So. This is very much a recent thing. He was not hitting for power. He has six home runs in 13 June games. He had six in the first two months of the season. It's also possible that this is an overreaction to Ryan Mountcastle having a couple of good weeks. But the underlying numbers do suggest that he's been better than his performance. A few risers for me. I didn't really have much this week. I'm I'm actually still working through my starting pitcher ranks, but uh, Dansby Swanson and Kyle Schwarber were two that moved up a little bit. Schwarber, red hot right now in June. And Swanson, I want to move him higher because he's having this awesome season. I believe he's in a contract year. Did I make that up? Or maybe it's next year. But he's coming up on a contract soon. And Mm -hmm. I, I wrestle with, do we move Dansby Swanson ahead of established names like Carlos Correa and, you know, Willie Adamas, who's still been really good. And yeah, Adamas is an interesting one because he's not really established himself. If anything, you know, Dansby Swanson is more established than Adamas. That's fair. Um, And 
Dansby Swanson's been better than Adamas so far this season. Now Adamas, yeah. he's a, an interesting case because he's another one that the power has been there. He's got a 257 uh, isolated slugging percentage with underlying numbers that are even better than that. I think, but, he's, I think he's batting 205. <laughs> yeah, 208 batting average, you know, 27% strikeout rate. That's high, but not so high that, you know, it should be. He's, he probably isn't a Mendoza line level hitter. Right. And so if he was hitting 255, we'd probably be talking about him as a top 10 shortstop. I don't think he's top 10 in uh, either points or Roto right now. He had a few massive games, and he's missed some yeah. time with injury. This is Willie Adamas we're talking about. So, uh, yeah, I think Danji Swanson is kind of working his way into that tier, and yep. I think you can argue he should be ahead of them, but uh, we'll see. A couple more weeks or months like this, and we're moving Danji Swanson up. Some followers in the rankings for Chris. Yasmani Grandal, who is on the IL right now. Trevor Rogers, who has just been brutal. Eric Lauer, the velocity has come back down. The swinging mm -hmm. strikes haven't been there the past month or so. Uh, and then Giovanni Gallegos, who now finds himself in a closer by committee for the Cardinals. Rodgers and Lauer are very disappointing for me. I, I It's funny. I, I played softball with someone who's on a different team in my, one of my leagues, and um, he, he said, oh, I, I recognized you. Uh, from a fantasy column that you wrote telling me that I should pick up Eric Lauer. And I was like, ah, sorry for the last few starts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I, I still have hope that he can be a useful fantasy option, but I, you know, I had him as a top 40 option. I, I think he's more like in that 60 range now. All right. Fair enough. Some followers for me in the rankings. Whit Merrifield has slowed back down. His last 15 games, he's batting 250 yeah. with nothing else. Zero homers, zero steals. I'm hesitant to not write him off, Chris, but kind of admit this might be the start of the decline, the downside of Whit Merrifield's career because we thought that in April and then he bounced back with like a pretty good May and, and now he's slowed up again, but... He he is older. He's you know in his low to mid thirties and never really hit for much power. Always relied on volume. It wouldn't surprise me if this is just kind of the beginning of the not the end, but like you know that decline for Whit Merrifield. Yeah, on the on the other side though, the quality of contact metrics are actually a little better than last season. The expected woba is three twenty nine. The actual woba is two fifty four. Even accounting for this offensive environment, I think that's a, a more steep decline. So I think it's not unreasonable to think he could hit more like he did last season, which was 278, 712 OPS, which would be a pretty dramatic improvement and would make him look a lot better. But the biggest concern here is just the stolen bases. He's only attempted eight in 62 games. That puts him on pace for around 20 attempts. He had 15 attempts at the basically the same point in that 2020 shortened season. He had 15 in 60 games. He's got eight in 62. Uh, he's never had fewer than 30 in a full season. That was back in 2019. So he is someone like steals can come in bunches, right? You know, we talked about John Birdie having 14 steals in a month. Basically, I don't think Whit Merrifield's going to do something like that, but it's not out of the question. You know, he's still 84th percentile on sprint speed. That's a little down from last season, but not so 
alarming that you think he's just lost it. So I, I think Whit Merrifield's still a buy low, but yeah, you'd have to buy pretty low. The other one is Nick Castellanos, and you know, I didn't drop him tremendously. You know, I dropped him down to around you know, 20 or 21. He's consistently been right around 15 for me, so it's more so just mm-hmm. other outfielders moving ahead of him. And I'm sure this means that he's going to you know, have a three-homer game <laughs> on Thursday or Friday and, and make, make me look dumb. But uh, what do you think about Castellanos, Chris? Because he goes 0 for 4 on Wednesday. He's betting 253, 710 OPS. And outside of the two years in Cincinnati, he was not known for being a power hitter the way that he was in Cincinnati. And he did have drastic home road splits last year. He was awesome in Great American Ballpark. Not so great uh, outside of there. What do you think? Do you think Nick Cassianos gets back on track or maybe just closer to the player he was back in Detroit? Yeah, you know, it's possible because he relies so much on hitting his home runs to the power alleys. And obviously, Great American Ballpark was a fantastic place for a guy with that profile to hit. Philly's, and, Philly's pretty good, though, too. Right, so that, that's, that's the why thing I'm is can, Philly's yeah. very good for that as well. Not quite as good, I don't think. But the one thing that I would argue, you know, if I had to hypothesize why Nick Castellanos is underperforming so much right now, it's possible that those longer home runs and especially the ones hit the opposite way could be more impacted by a ball that's not traveling as far. You know, uh, we mentioned it the other day, but one of the things that has been uh, studied this season is the, the effect of like slicing speed uh, spin on batted ball distance and that would at least in theory impact balls hit the other way more and so you just think of the 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 way the trajectory works so it's possible that like he is especially impacted by a ball that doesn't travel as far and you do see in his spray chart he only has one home run the opposite way and one to dead center um, so maybe there's something there that he's more impacted by this than your typical hitter, but the quality of contact metrics are still really solid. They are down a little bit. Well, down a little bit, but yeah, but 352 expected Woba within the league context, that's still very, very good. So I would still be trying to buy, and, and like I said, that's, that's a hypothesis that might be worth looking into. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe I'll do that in the next couple of days, you know, try to see if maybe balls hit to the power alleys, the, the other way are especially impacted this season. It's entirely possible they are. Um, but based on the knowledge I have right now, I would still be trying to buy Nick Castellanos low. I agree completely. And, and the key word is buy low. I'm not trying to pay the, you know, fourth or fifth round price tag that you yeah. paid on draft day. But if I can get him, you know, for, I don't know, a top 75 or a top 80 player, that, that's something I would look into doing. Quickly pulled up the park factors according to StatCast. So a three-year rolling average the past three years. Uh, Great American Ballpark is far and away the best ballpark for home runs. It's yeah. not close. It's I don't I don't know how they judge this number, but they are 156 and the Dodgers are 129. Like they are far and away the best home run ballpark. And then the Phillies are 10th on this list. So they're still good. But Cincinnati, I mean, yeah, yeah, it could be the kind of thing where there's just like a little bit of a downgrade in park factor and in home park and a little bit of the ball not traveling as far and a little bit of the ball not traveling as far 
especially for specific bad ball types. Like, it's possible that's the explanation. And if so, Castellanos could just fall into like a Goldilocks zone where he just every everything is going wrong for him. But I wouldn't want to put too much weight on that until I have more evidence. All right. I think it's an interesting hypothesis, though. So look to buy Nick Castellanos uh, low while you can. Let's take a break. And when we return, we'll get to the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. The news and notes. Juan Soto has now missed two straight with that right knee soreness. X-rays came back negative, and it's not believed to be a serious injury. Brandon Woodruff will make a rehab start Saturday, so hopefully that numbness in his fingers has subsided a little bit. Maybe it's something he can pitch through. We will follow that closely. Stalling Marte was hit by a pitch on his wrist, but x-rays came back negative. He is day-to-day. Ozzie Albies underwent successful foot surgery on Wednesday and will be out at least two months. Josh Hader was placed on the paternity list and will miss the next few days. Cattell Marte was removed on Wednesday with tightness in his hamstring. Freddie Peralta has resumed throwing and working out at the Brewers' extended spring training facility. He's not eligible to return until late July. Jeremy Pena was placed on the IL with left thumb discomfort, which is quite unfortunate because he's been one of the better stories in baseball this season. Uh, A few shortstop replacements. If you are looking at the waiver wire, Kyle Farmer has been surprisingly very good this season. Uh, Bryson Stott, who we've talked a lot about recently, and Luis Garcia, who hit another home run on Wednesday. Some closer news. Aaron Boone said Wednesday that he envisions using Clay Holmes in high-leverage situations against the toughest parts of opposing lineups once Aroldis Chapman returns. Boone also clarified that Holmes will be, quote, closing some games too. Maybe it turns into a situation similar to the Cardinals, Chris, where, you know, it's Gallegos and Helsley. I'm still leaning. I think Clay Holmes will get either you know, 60-40 or 70-30, I still think he sees the majority of the save opportunities. That would be my expectation. He's um, just been so good. He's been ridiculous. I, I, I struggle with it, though, just because we've seen stretches like this before where Aroldis Chapman has struggled or been hurt, and they've pulled him from the role, and they always go back to him. And... I don't know if that's a temperament thing, if that's a, you know, I could see a role as Chapman being the kind of guy who isn't going to settle for being a setup man the way 
Kenley Jansen didn't this free agency and the way Craig Kimbrell hasn't seemed comfortable with when the White Sox tried it. You know, I, I could see that being an issue. It could. I think I saw a quote somewhere that Aroldis Chapman said he's willing to do whatever the team asks yeah, him to do. But you know. Everyone says that, right? Uh, yeah. Other big closer news. Corey Knable has been removed from the closers role for now. Brad Hand and Sir Anthony Dominguez are both expected to see save opportunities moving forward. Uh, Dominguez, by yeah. far, the more interesting option. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Brad Hand obviously has the experience, and the surface numbers are okay, but everything under the hood is pretty scary for Brad Hand. So uh, Dominguez is the name to look at there. Andrew Heaney could return Sunday against the Guardians. He's 75% rostered and could be out there in some shallow leagues, so make sure to check your waiver wire. This one hurts, Chris, obviously for our Marlins, but also because I was very aggressive in adding Edward Cabrera in fab, and he was placed in the IL due to right elbow tendonitis retroactive to June 13th. Uh, look, anything elbow-related sounds pretty bad. Uh, you know, tendonitis, I don't know. The fact that they mentioned that it's retroactive to another date leads me to believe maybe he won't be out so long, but I'm kind of... I'm trying to see glass half full here, Chris. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, Max Meyer, the Marlins' other top pitching prospect, is also dealing with an, uh, an elbow injury. He uh, has been ramping up, but he hasn't pitched in a game yet, so I don't think he's someone who's going to get called up so not great all of a sudden that marlins pitching depth not looking so great uh man a lot of my roto teams chris they've they've done the switcheroo so they got off to awful offensive starts my pitching was dominating and now it's just going completely sideways there's been so many injuries recently scherzer and woodruff and bueller Edward Cabrera, I mean, the list goes on and on. There's been so many injuries to, to pitchers, yeah. so it's it's kind of hard right now. Uh, and another one, Drew Rasmussen placed on the I.L. with a left hamstring strain for Tampa Bay. Nick Lodolo will need two to three more rehab starts to build back up before coming off the I.L. for the Reds. He's pretty interesting, someone you can look to stash. Mm-hmm. Jaron Duran was recalled on Wednesday, and I believe I saw that he was leading off. I will confirm that. Um but he is only 17% rostered. They had Christian Arroyo placed on the COVID IL. I, I, I'm still intrigued, Chris, by Jaron Duran. I, I believe you are too, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, I have no idea if he's going to get the chance to stick around. They've teased us with like these three-day stretches where Jaron Duran's <laughs> on the roster. And I think last time, didn't he like hit leadoff in one of the yeah. games that he appeared in, and then they sent him right back down? So. I don't know. Jaron Duran still very good minor league numbers. I uh, well, very good AAA numbers. He's he's a guy I remember who changed his swing last year, and there was a lot of hype. It was like in the 2020 season he changed his swing, and he's played 103 AAA games. He's hitting 278 with an 889 OPS, 22 homers, 27 stolen bases. That is a very intriguing skill set. Um, so just hope they let him have a chance this time. All right. Uh, yes, he did lead off recently when he was called up, and he let off again on Wednesday. Jesus Lozardo was transferred to the 60-day IL, which means he can't return until mid-July at the earliest. Josiah Gray's next start will come Saturday against the Phillies. He was scratched on Monday after a 90-minute rain delay. The Nationals have committed to Luis Garcia as their everyday shortstop moving forward, which is good for his playing time. We don't have to worry about that being in question. 
Trey Mancini's hand inflammation has subsided and he hopes to return to the lineup on Friday. And James McCann will begin a rehab assignment at AA on Thursday. He's been on the IL for over a month due to a broken wrist. Some waiver wire hitters from Wednesday. Christopher Morell. We mentioned him a lot, but for good reason. He's He's been pretty good. Uh, and he went two for five, hit his fourth home run. 70% rostered. The other day, this number was 73%. Someone somewhere is dropping Christopher Morell, Chris. So That doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't really understand that one myself. And I am looking at a few names that are rostered in more leagues than him. This, this is an interesting one. Would you drop Nolan Gorman for Morell? Gorman not playing against lefties. Yeah, I think I would. Slowed up a little bit. I think I would as well. So that's a move that you can make. Uh, of course, Morell has second base and outfield eligibility. Welcome back to Brandon Belt, who hit his uh, who hit a solo home run. He's still 74% rostered, so could be available in some shallower leagues. And whenever Brandon Belt plays, it seems like he's pretty awesome. So yeah. I would expect more of the same. Ahmed Rosario went three for five with a sock and a shoe. In Coors Field. Helps out for sure. Uh, his first home run, his sixth stolen base. He's only 34% rostered. And it's been a pretty rough go so far this season, Chris. Uh, you know, Rosario, someone who he gets hot, it seems like, every year. I tell people to pick him up. And then by the time you pick him up, he starts to cool off again. Do you have any interest in adding a Med Rosario? If he ran more, I think it would be worthwhile. But because he's a 97th percentile sprint speed guy, like, they're. It, it's entirely possible he could be a 25 steel guy, but he's on a 12 steel pace probably. And so that leaves him as a batting average specialist who hits 270. Yeah. So not particularly interesting. I agree. In head-to-head points leagues, Brendan Donovan is an interesting player. Three for four with a double, two RBI. He's batting 341 with a 913 OPS. He only has one homer. He only has two steals. So in category leagues... I think he might be kind of empty batting average, but in points leagues, he has 12 doubles. He has more walks than strikeouts. He has a near 28% line drive rate. He hits the ball to all fields. His 293 expected batting average is 89th percentile. And he, he is eligible at every position on CBS outside of catcher. First, second, third, shortstop, and outfield. He's 34% rostered. I don't know about a standard points league, Chris. You know, 12 teams, just whatever. One of each infield position, three outfielders. But in any, like, slightly deeper points leagues, I like Brendan Donovan. I I think he's pretty good in this format. I think that's interesting. The problem is uh, your standard 12-team points league is 108 starting position players, right? Yeah. Nine times 12, 108 that he's not one of the 110 best hitters in a points league, I would think. Right. Um, and so, you know, th- there are a handful of players who just kind of fall into that. Like, they're better in points leagues, but they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And the the eligibility could help him. Like, that's a really valuable thing to have, is a guy that you can just plug into your roster whenever, mm-hmm. no matter what happens. But um, I'm not sure he's good enough to be much more rostered than he is. Yeah, I think daily lineup leagues, either categories sure. or points leagues, because of that eligibility, yeah. you could just move this guy all around. Yeah, he plays. Yeah, like you just have one hitter on your bench, and it's him. And yeah. he just goes wherever someone's available. Yeah. That is Brendan Donovan. A few reminders. Those 
Atlanta Braves, I, I don't think they're ever going to lose again. That's 14 in a row. Uh, Michael Harris, two more hits, hits for him. He's 52% rostered. I'm going to keep talking about Harris big prospect and has all this potential and he's playing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orlando Arcia, another one I mentioned yesterday. This is solely for deeper leagues, but he went four for four with a, a walk. He hit another home run. His average exit velocity is 94.7 miles per hour. So he hasn't done much in his major league career. Uh, frankly, I- I'm just kind of rooting for Orlando Arcia. I want him to be a thing. Sure. But yeah, he's a name in deeper leagues. Pitchers that confuse me, Chris. Let's run through these three. Jose Barrios with another strong start up against the Orioles. Seven innings, three runs, eight strikeouts, and over his last six starts, he looks a lot like Jose Barrios. 3.63 ERA, 38 strikeouts over 37 and two-thirds innings pitched. Zach Gallen gets back on track with a quality start. Seven innings, two runs, five strikeouts against the Reds. And then Luis Castillo goes a season-high seven innings at the Diamondbacks, where he allows three runs, six strikeouts, 11 swinging strikes on 110 pitches. Uh, and his ERA thus far is 3.33. All these pitchers sound pretty good, except they're a little confusing. Uh, Barrios, the swinging strike rate is bad. It's very bad. It's 8.7% entering Wednesday. Maybe that doesn't matter. I, you know, Maybe he's just so established he'll find a way to work through it. Uh, Zach Gallen is another one. Sub 10% swinging strike rate. And then Luis Castillo, his swinging strike rate and his strikeout rate are both career lows, but his numbers are okay. His underlying numbers, his XFIP is 3.6. That's perfectly fine for Luis Castillo. I don't know, Chris. Maybe... I'm just making something out of nothing, but not great swinging strike rates for all three of these pitchers. Castillo's had two starts where the strikeouts really haven't been there. There was one two strikeout game, another one three. So I don't know if I'm too concerned with that in the small sample size that we're dealing with. Gallon looks like a sell high to me, given the, the injury concerns, the underlying numbers not being nearly as strong. He is someone who does benefit a little bit if you take into account quality of contact because he's been very good in that regard so far this season, but right around an average strikeout rate, middling swing and miss stuff. I I think Allen, you know, obviously with his injury history last season with the elbow, I think it's there's a chance that the bottom falls out any minute. And I think there's just a chance that the performance gets much worse. So he he's someone I would be willing to start shopping um and then barrios you know like getting annoyed with it jose barrios when he's inconsistent is like staring at the sun and getting annoyed that it hurt your eyes you know like <laughs> that's who he is right like his right. career has been defined by these weird stretches where he just looks really hittable and then these weird stretches where he looks awesome and i think you know it, it, there's there's a an element of a random number number generator to him and you know, maybe it's like there's eight numbers and five of them are good. And sometimes you just hit those three, you know, four or five times in a row. But I think all, all in all, he's going to be more good than bad. I'll point out with this specific start against the Orioles, obviously pretty good matchup. He threw his curveball a season high 43%, and that is far and away his best yeah. pitch. 164. Always has been. 164 batting average against 14% swinging strike rate. So. If this is something he leans into more, I think we could see more swinging strikes and strikeouts for Jose Barrios. Some pitching leftovers. Chris, we'll do rapid fire. I'll mention a pitcher. If you have anything to say, we'll talk about it. If not, we'll move on. Kyle Gibson goes a season high eight innings against the Marlins. 
so much for pointing out that they were great against right-handed pitching. Uh, <laughs> eight innings, one run, six strikeouts. He had 14 swinging strikes. Anything on Kyle Gibson? I I think he's a fringy guy. Okay, would you rather have Kyle Gibson or Martin Perez? <laughs> Martin Perez. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, Luis Garcia gets back on track after a recent rough start. He goes six innings, two runs, nine strikeouts. Really awesome from this game. Two immaculate innings thrown in the same game. First time in MLB history. Luis Garcia and Phil Maton. They also did it against the same three batters. That's wild. Weird. Very weird. Anything on Luis Garcia? No, I think he's pretty good. He's awesome. And he's fun to watch because he like rocks back and forth. And, yeah. Yeah, it's great. I, I, <laughs> my wife was in South Florida and she was watching that game with her dad. And she texted me. I can't remember if she asked me who it was or what his deal was, but she said his, her dad hates the way he pitches. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's such an old man thing to say. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, Nestor Cortez with a solid bounce back up against Tampa Bay. Five and a third, one run. He had four strikeouts, 13 swinging strikes, and uh, the velocity was up one mile per hour on his fastball and cutter. Anything here? I still think he's a sell high candidate. Um, I think he's more like a mid-three ZRA guy. But I, I think he's also a solid, you know, use, very useful starting fantasy pitcher. We were talking beforehand, Chris, and this time of year for me is is reflection period. I'm looking back at my teams mm-hmm. and my drafts. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, what I did wrong and what I did right. And I, I notice a lot of the good teams in my leagues make sense. They, they have Nestor Cortez. And I think at the end of your drafts, just kind of blindly taking pitchers on good teams it might not be such a bad strategy. It's something we do in fantasy football too, right? Like mm-hmm. later on in your drafts, just take players on good teams and see what happens. Take pitchers on good teams. It, it might not be such a bad strategy. So I, it's something I got to look into more, but I noticed a lot of good fantasy teams have Nestor Cortez. Uh, Corbin Burns bounces back after a rough two-start stretch. He goes six innings, two runs, eight strikeouts, and the ERA is down to 2.52. Anything on Corbin Burns? Him and... Garrett Cole both bounced back. That's what the best pitchers in fantasy do. <laughs> that's that's what they do. Tyler Anderson, is he one of the best pitchers in fantasy? I don't know. Uh, but he almost threw that no-hitter. Eight and a third. He gave up one run, and he had eight strikeouts. The ERA is down to 2.82. He had 13 swinging strikes on 123 pitches. Man. Nine of those whiffs came on the changeup, which continues to look just a remade amazing pitch. Yeah, I- I'll caution that his next start, you know, may not be a long one. I would bet against it, actually, because of the 123 pitches. I feel like when that happens, you'll often see teams give a guy a quick hook, and the Dodgers, you know, especially seem likely to do that. So I I wouldn't be surprised if he only throws 80 pitches next time out. Mm -hmm. Chris, do you think that Tyler Anderson should be in that Tony Gonsolin kind of discussion, you know, top 50, top 40-ish starting pitcher? Top 50-ish, yes. Top 40-ish, no. All right. So clearly a tier behind Gonsolin, but uh, yeah. Tyler Anderson has been awesome. And regression alert, apologies to anyone who uh, streamed <laughs> Alex Fiedo because uh, the underlying numbers never lie. And that's what happened in the start where he gave up seven runs and I had him in a few lineups and I feel pretty yeah, awful I, about it. I don't see what you and Scott have seen in him. 
Yeah, right. I think we were just kind of riding a hot hand, but like yeah, every time I, I looked at it, the underlying numbers were so bad. And yeah, he just yeah. doesn't get strikeouts, doesn't get enough whiffs outside of the slider. Yeah, I yeah, I just can't. I mean, I that is it. a that is admittedly a fault <laughs> of my own. It's I'll have pitchers who I know very clearly are you know out pitching what what they should be doing what their underlying numbers say and sometimes guys stay hot yeah i'll just continue to ride it out and um yeah unfortunately i did that a little bit too long with alex fido some hitting leftovers from wednesday adolis garcia went two for four with his 10th stolen base aaron judge a little mvp on cy young crime maybe (laughs) hit his 25th home run it came off of my guy shane omack Adley Rutschman clearly listened to yesterday's podcast. He went two for four, hit his first career home run, added three RBI. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Three hard hit balls in this one. The nice. one that wasn't hard hit, he hit 93 miles per hour. So and that's a good sign. I think the home run he hit came off of... Yes, it, it came off, off Barrios. Off of Barrios. That's a, he had a double, double and a home run off Barrios. It's a pretty good pitcher to do it off of. Yeah. So some signs of life for Adley Rutschman. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. went four for five, hit his 16th home run. He had three batted balls of 115 miles per hour. Yeah. That is not supposed to happen. That is crazy. Vlad and is had a awesome. hit on a 68 mile per hour exit velocity bad ball <laughs> that's interesting uh so far in the month of june vlad is hitting 333 with seven home runs 15 rbi in 14 games he's very good teoscar hernandez had a sock and a shoe his fourth home run his third stolen base his homer was 461 feet and the bylo window has been slammed yep. shut for Teoscar Hernandez. Alex Verdugo went three for five with his fourth homer. Rafi Devers went one for three with his 16th home run. Brian Reynolds went two for three with a triple and a homer. He's having a great June himself. Missed your by low window on that guy too. 404 batting average, four homers, 11 runs, nine RBI. And the Braves, I mentioned 14 wins in a row. Uh, Chris, you know, since we're admitting defeat on a few players today, uh, you and I were very wrong about Austin Riley. He went three for five, two more homers. He is up to 18 home runs. That's all right. I feel like I'm more, um, my brand is more tied to the anti-Nolan Arenado thing, and that, that one's looking better. Yes. So yeah. So gonna, let, yeah. we'll just, yeah, we'll just, you know, focus on that one. All right. I'm going to delete that from the podcast side of things. We'll leave it on YouTube, but yeah. yeah. Nolan Arenado, he stinks again. Yeah, let's talk more about that. Uh, call to the bullpen for the Marlins. Cue the Tanner Scott meltdown. He gave up a walk-off three-run homer to Garrett Stubbs. All right, who knew? The Royals. Scott Barlow recorded the final five outs for his seventh save. His ERA is 1.63. He's pretty awesome. The problem, the Royals are not. The Yankees. Clay Holmes allowed one hit but picked up his 11th save. And we mentioned earlier, David Bednar. Uh, final eight outs for his 11th save of the season. To stream or not to stream, I mentioned yesterday... Thursday is very bad for streaming. I've got two names. Rich Hill versus Oakland and Tyler Wells at the Blue Jays. I agree. Friday, Zach Thompson. Honestly, like maybe Chad Cool. I might prefer Chad Cool against the Guardians to either of those guys. Don't do it. (laughs) Just don't do it. Probably shouldn't. But if you if you're going to. If you're going to ask me for one. Speaking of the Guardians, if you have not seen Stephen Kwan's catch, his diving catch Incredible, on the yeah. warning track, that was ridiculous. Uh, Friday, Zach Thompson versus the Giants. Ross Tripling versus the Yankees. 
Michael Waka versus the Cardinals. Ooh, revenge game. John Gray at the Tigers. Daniel Lynch at the A's. Devin Smelter at the Diamondbacks. And Michael Lorenzen at the Mariners. Lock in John Gray. That's never gone poorly for fantasy players. <laughs> yeah, the Tigers are just so bad. But you know what? Maybe they come out hot after this team meeting. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's something and that Daniel just Lynch, happens. Maybe that's mostly the uh, Oakland thing. I streamed Daniel Lynch in a 15-team league a couple weeks ago, and he was awful. Yeah. So I... Yeah, that left a bad taste. Michael Lorenzen, I think, is okay at the Mariners. We're going to wrap there. For Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.